Hey, welcome to the Indoles 24-7 Podcast. This is Brendan Sinone. This is the fourth intro that we're trying here. I'm not going to throw you off. Fifth intro that we're trying here. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Nee's joining me. Uh, we have a lot to go over today, basically recapping the spring, the spring game. Uh, we'll have Josh Newberg on. We actually already recorded that, but I'm going to try to do some wizardry. Don't, don't, don't. I like to be transparent. It's magic. We're... Josh Newberg will join us later to talk about recruiting, uh, but basically we want to go big picture with you guys. Days of future past. <laughs> to start off with what was, man, a really fun weekend. Uh, Chris is someone who's been around the program for a long time covering it, went to school here. Fun for you. For me, is just you know, someone who, who grew up you know, watching Florida State and then covering the program the last five or six years. This was so refreshing. I remember when Odell Higgins, when, when it was the Louisiana, was it the Louisiana Monroe game? Yeah, and then the reschedule. The makeup game. Yeah, the makeup game. And that was the beginning of what seemed like a healing process. I remember that was what that, the popular narrative was then, how refreshing that was. I think people are healed. I think they, I it, think this is the, I think this, this spring game was the culmination of, of a new start. Like, I think it's a, what, what started in, with Willie Taggart coming here in December and kind of trickled throughout the uh, you know, recruiting class and then spring. I think this was the sign that, like, okay, people are ready. People seemed rejuvenated, excited. Mm -hmm. It was fun Saturday. Yep. Like, the best description from beginning to end of that day was fun. People got out there and tailgated, hung with their friends, enjoyed a drink, maybe a meal with them. Old friends came back to town. Some people hadn't been here in a while. Went in that stadium, watched the game. That looked like a spring practice for a team that's 15 practices and they're figuring out what they are. There were great moments. There were horrible moments. That's what a spring game is always going to be. Enjoyed a fun throwback concert afterwards. Mm -hmm. It was a good time. And you had a head coach that kind of celebrated the day right alongside the fan base. He ran over to Bobby Bowden when he comes out the tunnel, showing the legend some respect, does a lap around the stadium at the end, thanking the fans that showed up. And, man, what a presence by the fans. I think that caught everybody off guard, especially FSU. I heard the gates were a little bit of a – you know, issue pregame, but I think yeah. that's because they expected probably forty to fifty thousand, and they got about you know fifteen twenty thousand more than I think they thought they might get. So, kudos to the fan base, and it, it was fun. It was awesome. It, football is entertainment. It's supposed to be fun, and that's what Saturday felt like. In, with the the attendance, real quick, like I, this is what opposing fan bases do, and, and they throw shade at each other, and and. Listen, the number that came out originally was like 50... 53,000-something that pushed up to 60. Dude, I, I usually make fun of Florida State when they tell us there's 60,000 people there. I didn't feel that not, was inflated. I felt like they might have cheated I think, themselves I out think, of Yes, field. correct. Yep. That, uh, that fan base on Saturday was better from a crowd perspective than a vast majority of home games last season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Uh, and kudos to... Uh, one, Florida State did a really nice job, I think, marketing this, uh, putting together what was a fun weekend with the concert. At one point, you know, we're riding up in the press box after the game. The vanilla Ice is on stage, which is cool. Uh, but I look up, and all of a sudden, there's a Ninja Turtle. Like, and Tim Linnefelt <laughs> lost his mind. Like, Seminole.com <laughs> lost his mind when he saw that Ninja Turtle. I mean, there was a Ninja Turtle on stage. It was cool, and, man. And, like a cool Ninja Turtle. For too, us, I grew up one. in the 90s. That, that was a great moment. You're old. Yeah, um, I am old. <laughs> uh, but, but so that was cool. You uh, and, great and, me, uh, it's happening really quick. I'm very stressed out. Uh, <laughs> Willie Taggart, man, just gets it. And this is an easy stage because I think the Honey bar, yeah, the bar was set so low before. I, like, I'm almost to the point where like this may be the last time we talk about Jimbo Fisher, other than our what the hell podcast. I'm not going to talk summer. about Jimbo Fisher at all yeah. in this podcast. But <laughs> Saturday was fun. Yep. You saw a head coach that he enjoys it and he gets it. And he's going to have to win. Let's yeah. not act like that doesn't matter. When the yeah. fall rolls around, he's going to be judged by wins and losses. Mm-hmm. And this football team will too. But the process of getting to that point 
they're having fun with it. Mm-hmm. And they should have fun with it. And they're also trying to get better. It's not like it's all about just fun. There's a whole lot of serious there, too. But you can have fun while being serious at the same time. I think that's what you saw with this program in the spring. Mm-hmm. Competition's back in there. Guys are rejuvenated. We saw a lot of players kind of come back from the dead, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. Dontavious Jackson comes to mind. Upshur's and a guy that kind of broke out of his shell. And I think a lot of that is just a fresh spirit around the program. Those guys are having fun. Mm-hmm. It's easy to work really hard when you're having fun doing it. Yeah. If you're miserable while doing it, you're not going to enjoy it. Yeah. No, it, it, and for the perspective of the fan base, I think, you know, and how they embrace Willie Taggart and how they absorb him and, and kind of who he is as a, as a coach and as a person, you build a certain level of cachet acting the way he is right now. And it's not just us, I think, this. It's not just the fans. Yeah. A lot of former players were there, mm-hmm. and I was told the events that they had surrounding the spring game for alumni players were awesome. That mm-hmm. Willie knocked it out of park when he dealt with those guys. Mm-hmm. They're they're excited about it. I, I saw. I don't know where I saw the quote, but Derek Brooks had a quote about right coach, right time, basically about Willie. And Derek Brooks is a guy that thinks a great deal about the words that come out of his mouth. So for him to be giving that kind of praise, and I know he has a pre-existing relationship with Willie, but. That's a big stamp of approval. Derek. And I um, think he's far from the only guy that feels that way. Derek wouldn't tell me this, but other people, I mean, he stumped for Willie, at least to an extent, when yeah. when that job opened up and he was asked by a President Thrasher and Stan Wilcox when his opinion was was asked. I think he gave you know, the thumbs up for Willie Taggart. Um, there are a lot of former guys. So that's what's cool. It's, it's not just, and someone within the program told me this, like it's not just those 90s guys that Willie grew up watching and loving. Oh, I saw David Castillo praising mm-hmm. it. James Coleman praised it. Mm-hmm. Those are about 2,000 guys. John Davis, I forget exactly when John played, but I saw him praising it on social media. Mm-hmm. I think Pat Carter's another guy I saw that was praising it. It, it spanned multiple decades. Dion was there, mm-hmm. and Dion loved being there. Mm-hmm. Between going to Golden Corral, driving an Uber, taking pictures on the sideline, hanging out with people, seeing his old coach. Dion was part of it, and that stuff's awesome. That stuff sells the future generations on wanting to be Seminoles. Right? And so as we transition to football, um, like I said, Willie is buying himself some some leeway with this. Like say that say they come out and they lose to the opener against Virginia Tech or something like that. Look at what happened previously when things went poorly and you treated people like shit the entire time. You know, yeah. when you're winning, it's fine. When you're losing, so you buy yourself some of that. And I think it's just goodwill that that he's he's kind of putting in the bank right now. It just makes sense, and plus it's it's really beneficial from a recruiting standpoint, from a morale standpoint for the program. Like everything right now, feels good. They want to win, though. Yeah, that, that staff. Well, then I'm not. Yes. That, that staff is very realistic about what they have, mm-hmm. about some of the shortcomings this roster currently has. O line, for example, that we'll get into. Mm-hmm. But they want to win. Their their goals of the spring, I feel like they feel like they met some and fell short of others. But I feel like they feel like they're in a good part of this journey. They're coming along, and it's about these next few months. The summer is very crucial for this football team to continue momentum, and they obviously have a huge test coming out the door of Virginia Tech. Yeah, and well, let, let's let's go into football. When we talked to Willie Taggart, uh, you, myself, uh, and, and Bob got the chance to, to talk to Willie one-on-one, or I guess three-on-one, or whatever, but whatever. Um, Willie said championships. You know, that's conference championships, and that's something in the next five years he wants. The staff has no illusions. They know that they know that there's work to do, like you said, Chris. They know that they have some pretty glaring weaknesses that need to be fixed, but they also know that they inherited a good program and one with, with a lot of raw talent that could be harnessed and you can win quickly. Um, what we saw on Saturday, and I don't wanna I want to understand that there's context to this. It's uh, basically a scrimmage, it's 
one viewing period that, that all the fans got to see and it's context for you and myself, people who are out there every day seeing 20 minutes of it based on what we're hearing. So, so we're trying to basically put as much context. Into it's this one fifteenth of the whole pie. Yeah. When we've seen little parts of that pie too, um, what we can take away is one, uh, the, the offense is going to be fast. That was something Willie said was going to happen. You weren't going to see a lot of huddling. We didn't see much. Uh, I don't think any, uh, it was all out of shotgun. Uh, it's going to be fast. It's going to be wide open. And there are athletes in place that are going to be special, I think. Uh, it's going to take a while to get there, but you look at Tamarian Terry. It's a name we've heard consistently throughout the spring. And, man, he looks every bit of, of what we've heard and, and little glimpses of what we've seen. DJ Matthews, that kid's electric. How the hell those two guys didn't see the field a lot more last year? Um, or in Terry's case at all? I don't know. Caitlin LeBourne. I mean, all these names I'm mentioning, Trey McKitty are guys who were – Deontay know, Sheffield. Deontay Sheffield had a couple really nice plays. I don't think that's fluky. Uh, those are guys who either were redshirt freshmen or sophomores who played sparingly, and they're going to be centerpieces for this offense. That means there's going to be growing pains. It's going to be a learning curve, but there is just an enormous amount of upside. And if you're a fan, um, be excited for what I think that that can be, if not immediately this year, you know, down the road. There's, there's, there's a base to build on. I think to a degree, too, Saturday they were vanilla offensively. I think there's a lot more pieces. And we'll use the word vanilla. And, he, and players did, too. I mean, everyone kind of I think there's a lot that. more pieces set of offense, a lot more things they can do. It is clear as day that chunk plays are going to be the go-to. They had, I think, 17 on Saturday, and I want to say 14. 12 were 20-plus yards, 17 were 10-plus. And yeah. 14 of 17 were passing, if I remember correctly. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah. and the ratio is far greater in the passing game. And they want to throw the ball around the yard. They know they have running backs, but they want to throw it around and do some things with that. It, the offense has the capability of being really good. I think it will be very inconsistent, especially out of the gate. Mm-hmm. I do too. Um, and we'll get into positions. The offensive line, obviously, is something that you've talked about. This program's going to go as far as the offensive line can take it. And it's just, if you're trying to give it a grade or something, well, I don't want to get too much into it right now, but it, it, it's incomplete and there's a lot of, lot of room to go. Um, the quarterback battle we'll get into. I thought, you know, going into the spring and after the first practice, I remember Chris, you and I, we, we had the podcast and we said, this is. James Blackman's job to lose. I thought we felt pretty confident in that. I, I still think I that. I still feel that way. But, but a little Bailey, less. Bailey yep. put forth a great effort on one bad wheel. Yep. Yep. He'll, Bailey Hockman's going to have, I think he puts on the cast today on the on the yeah. stress fracture on his foot. And he he told us afterwards, like, yeah, he's like, I'm feeling okay right now. He's like, I just got it shot up. It's numb. He's like, tomorrow's going to hurt like hell. He lived in a boot for at least the last week of camp. Every yep. time you saw him away from the field, he had a boot on. Mm-hmm. Um, so but he, he was going to grind through it and, you know, that that's Bailey is if Bailey's not your starter, he's the exact type of guy you want as a backup. He is going to always compete, always push your start, never check out, mm-hmm. and he's capable enough if he gets a call. Mm-hmm. Yep, Florida State has three capable quarterbacks on the roster right now. Yep. One who needs to get out of his own way, and DeAndre. Yep. DeAndre needs to set the course right and let his talent shine through on the field and compete out there. Needs to quit, put himself behind the eight ball with the head coach who's challenged him repeatedly, and he. For every step forward, it feels like he still takes two steps back. And that's where DeAndre, he has to mature. He has to, whether it's his fault or not, with these situations that have occurred since February, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. He needs to figure out how to get away from that. Sometimes you have to separate yourself from people, from situations. He has to understand that, grasp that concept, compete for that month before the season rolls around, and make it his his job if and, he wants it. Yep, and he's... 
I still think Blackman's the odds-on odds on favorite. Though. Do you want to, This has been kind of a, a meandering introduction, which is I, fine. I think that's kind of what people expect when they listen to this. Let's talk about. Let's go position by position down. We gave you guys a quick overview of what we thought of the spring. Let's go into quarterback. So when we started the spring, like I said, James Blackman, I think you and I both are on the same page. Yep. That was his job to lose because of, well, DeAndre Francois has the injury, and you mentioned the maturity things that he's trying to work with. Uh, Willie Taggart's been pretty uh, – Vocal and clear, yep, with that expectation is for DeAndre to be a better leader. And I think they want that. I think they're playing with house money with him for, you know, to an extent. Because I don't know if that's an expectation that's realistic or not based on what we've seen. I'm just trying to, you know, go off of, of, of the, the the past and, and build on that there. But uh, I think that, you know, this was Blackman's job to lose. I heard he had a really nice spring. Uh, but I've heard from people that, that I trust that, one, uh, DeAndre, when he, he's been limited, when he throws the ball, man, he still has the best arm. Uh, consistently, he has the best arm. Uh, he can make all the throws that they're going to ask him to make. Uh, and if he's healthy and that knee is it holds up, he's going to be someone that's going to push for that in the summer. Now, if he stays out of his own way, for people that haven't paid attention, uh, I'm trying to think of a way to to, to succinctly put this. Uh, he had uh, was basically put in a defer, was a deferral program or diversion, a, a diversion <laughs> program uh, for, it, it for, for marijuana. From, it stemmed um, from an incident in late February which obviously was in the news quite a bit too. And they just found some weed and paraphernalia and stuff like that, which, you know, is what it is. The weed isn't the but issue. I think I, I forgot. It's the fact it was, that it's a continuation. I think it was Bud Elliott tweeted excuse. this. It's it. Weed doesn't like, yeah, I, uh, it's a college kid smoking weed. That's not a big deal. Uh, anyone smoking weed. I think it's, that stigma is becoming less and less. It's, Dude, you need to get your shit together. That's yeah. been something that's been stressed for, yeah, since Willie Taggart's gotten here. And the fact that, that, whether it's DeAndre's direct doing or not, he keeps getting in trouble. Or DeAndre's not the only guy in this bubble dealing with being an example. Yeah. Quandre White, for yes. example, is another guy. Are they're, they're roommates together? I don't know if they're roommates. Zaquandre was mentioned. Zaquandre was present when the event happened in February. And he was also present in uh, his student ID was uh, taken by the Tallahassee police. Uh, but in, in there are the two guys <laughs> that Willie's making clear examples of. Yeah. For other guys to understand, there is a checks and balance system to this mm-hmm. football team, and that and there, again, that's house money for both. I, I think because you have two other quarterbacks, uh, you can push DeAndre more, and you can make the example of him because you have the running back depth you yeah. have. You can kind of make an example of him, and both those guys are super talented um, and can contribute and be you know, big pieces to the offense. But um, so DeAndre Francois, I think, is a guy like I said that he's he's someone that the coaching staff knows what he talent wise. I think they know that he may be the best of the of the three that they have there. But is it the other thing that he can he do? Can he be a leader? Can he be someone that is relied on that the rest of the team rallies around? Uh, and that's something that Willie Taggart has stressed is important to him in that position. He's a former quarterback himself. He gets it. If you don't, if you don't have the respect of your teammates, all of them, you go as your quarterback goes. I mean, Jameis Winston was a good example of that. He was kind of a clown sometimes. I think some people didn't always take him seriously. But when they, you know, the lights turned on and, and they needed, you know, to to win a game, you know, people believed in him completely. Uh, he was goofy a lot of the time, but he was someone that, when it mattered, stepped up and and that reverberated throughout the entire program. And that's a big reason why the program was so successful in thirteen and fourteen. Uh, Bailey Hawkman being the other guy, man, like I, he made the best pass I saw Saturday. I the, believe he the, threaded the needle to and DJ? Hit DJ Matthews. Yeah. That pass was unbelievable. I mean, that's a big time pass. And we actually saw James make a similar type pass mm-hmm. in uh, I believe it was a Thursday practice or Wednesday practice prior to the spring game when they did some. Seven on near the end. In the so short, in the short. He field. made a tight window pass like Vickers. that too. Yeah, uh, they both they both have good arms. Um, 
Bailey Hockman, considering that his foot wasn't great, and he looked mobile in the pocket, he looked calm. So this is what I wanted to talk about with the he, quarterback. He had DJ and Tamorian well, on his team. Yeah, I wanted to, so two things. The context there is that he had the two best wide receivers, and the cornerbacks they were going against were all walk-ons. Conversely, James Blackman going against, you know, Levante Taylor, Sanford Samuels, Kyle Myers, Myers. Those are starting yeah. So that's the context we want to provide that with. Again, to keep Gavin, who's the king of inconsistent right that's now. That's just not great. Um, but with all that being said, and again, it's hard to for me to quantify like how much of, of what you have around you is leading to what I'm about to say is body language I thought was important. And James seemed disappointed in the postgame. Yeah, I think I talked to Bailey, uh, and I think you were he, with James. He, uh, I mean, he... He talked about wanting to get better and all that, and that's kind of James to a degree, but he seemed disappointed with his performance. I don't think his performance on Saturday was indicative of how he felt about his entire spring. No, but but do you agree? I mean, one looked much, their, their statistics were about the same. They completed each Both 50%. Were 50% yeah, yeah. Uh, pass rating with one was 140, one was yeah. 120. Like, stats for a spring game. Blackman got sacked nine times, Bailey three times. One looked much more comfortable. Yeah. Some of, that, some of that's the O line. They both were playing behind. <laughs> they both know, played behind the same bad bandaged O lines. But uh, James got rattled, I think, a little bit early with mm-hmm. the O line not doing much good form in front, yeah. and you know it led to kind of an inconsistent day. He certainly made throws that against high caliber teams, he probably would end up regretting one or two mm-hmm. of. And mm-hmm. I think when he goes back and watches that film, he's not going to be pleased with his day. And I think Bailey, truthfully, should be pleased with his day overall. Mm-hmm. I, when I'm grading it to, I give Bailey the benefit of the, you know, he's crowned for that day. He yeah. had a better day. But again, one day, you said earlier, Chris, 115th uh, yeah. of that of that pie there. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought Bailey was impressive. I thought he seemed a little more cerebral back there. And, and people that, that, have, that I've talked to that have known Bailey for a while, that, that know his game, He's better in that setting. Like he's not someone's going to go into a seven on seven and just wow you uh, with his arm. Like he's got a good arm. Don't get me wrong, but he's not the best passer of the bunch of the three they have. Where he is good is not feeling a lot of pressure. He's a gamer. He's tough. And he just he he played in an offense like that before in high school. His dad's the coach uh, at, at McEachern. Was it McKe- Powder Springs? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's like a powerhouse up in up in the Atlanta area outside of it. Comes from a quarterback family. Yep, too. yep. Uh, and he plays like that too. He's someone that kind of gets the position. So, you know, it's gonna be tough for I think for Bailey Hockman to catch up to the other two because I, I think he's better in those settings rather than just a practice and segmented stuff. Uh, but I think, again, you have three good quarterbacks. And yeah. I think that's the takeaway that you and I have this spring. Is that fair? They have three capable guys that they have. Uh, I'm not sure who separates. I still think it's James Blackman, but I'm not 100% sold on that entering entering the summer. All right? Yeah, I agree. moving on to the guys they threw it to. All right. I love DJ. I mean, You've D- loved DJ, DJ Matthews for a while. Yeah, yeah, I've known kids since middle school. He's, he's really incredible football player. You've known him um, since he looked like he was 40 years old. Yeah, he's the new pops. <laughs> Um, Tamorian Terry had his hello, like he showed everything is true that's been talked about with him. Deontay Sheffield was the surprise of the day, and Trey McKitty looked good. Yep. Trey had a couple nice catches with some physical endings, yards after the catch, stuff you want to see out of your guy at position. Mm-hmm. Most disappointing day at that position to me, without Gavin, would I doubt is yeah, Gavin, he's just so inconsistent. Like, Keith's good moments are incredible, but they're too far. In, Few and far between. And that's what we heard in practice. He makes he makes some spat, uh, splash plays and just, just do some great work over the top and put some pressure on the defense. And then, uh, like you saw on, on Saturday, I think he was targeted nine times and had just two catches. And, and I'm not trying to be an ass here. Uh, of, of the three cornerbacks that were guarding him, Kyle Myers is probably considered the least 
you know, the, the least upside of all those three guys and struggled some last year. And he was the one who was guarding Keith mostly, and he shut him down. Yeah. He, um, and I, just, I've heard Kyle's had a good spring, so I think that may not part of that for context. But, man, like, that's... Keith's got to show it at some point. I mean, it's now or never. you got a lot of guys coming in at that position. you got a couple guys establishing themselves as dependable types. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're going to be the guy you can be, go be it. He's, he's never lived up to it. And some of it's been injuries. Some of it's been transition. Some of it's been poor development at the position. But no more excuses. He has to go do it. Ontario Wilson didn't have any statistics. Am but, I correct? Yeah, he had one reception okay. for four yards. Right. But the athleticism uh, yeah, flashes with him. That's mm-hmm. one thing that you notice. There, there's a way to use him. If you're going to find Deontay Sheffield, the ability to get him the ball in a lot of different ways, Ontario is going to also have those Do it for both yeah. yeah, Deontay Sheffield was a real good story. Um, he's someone that that basically could have gone on scholarship to other places yeah. and rolled the dice because he wanted to come to Florida State. He was blue-shirted. I always get confused. Yeah, blue-shirted, blue-shirted, which means he never took an official here and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. he was recruited, but essentially recruited lightly, would allow, which allows you to save that year. And, and, and he's someone that came to FSU as a running back, and then that running back class, Kalen LeBourne, Cam Akers, Saquandre White. Yeah. And he said, all right. And so they took him at running back, the, you know, when that was the previous regime, and he's moved to slot receiver under Willie Taggart, and he looked really comfortable there. Don't ever bet against Deontay Sheffield because, one, he loves being a Seminole. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like it's to the core with that kid. Some guys like being a Seminole because they recruit to be one. Deontay recruited himself to be a Seminole, basically. So don't count against him. He's going to do whatever, whatever is asked of him, and he's a capable enough athlete to show his uh, value here and there. Dude, he, he, he pushed Hampson Azraline off of him. Yeah. I would like to see Hampson make that tackle, probably. Um, that's probably the bigger takeaway there. It's a little disappointing, but uh, he's someone yeah, – I think Deontay's someone that's going to be a nice utility player. Uh, what, are, what are his finals numbers there? He had 107. Nine for 117. He also uh, he's not going to do that. It, so again, statistics in spring game, like, I don't think that's ever going to happen it's this season. It's jacked up by the 65-yard reception that yeah. he had. Um, but someone who had a bunch of bunch of receiving yards, I think, will have a bunch this season. As uh, Tamarian Terry, yes. Now again, context went against he went against the lesser of the cornerbacks. I went against mostly uh, you know walk on guys. But even when he was up top against uh, Division One safeties, the most impressive he was a thing man. he did on the day too was oh, putting the ball in his yeah. hands when he was chasing down LeBourne on the ninety-one yard run. Yep. Yeah, what's crazy about it? So he's ten yards behind LeBourne. And he's also like five yards to his right, closer to us, yeah. and he caught up. And he went out of his way to get in the way of a cornerback and yeah. then still caught up. Remind, I talked to his high school coach for a story I did on him. Uh, ben Simmons, I talked to – not the basketball player, Ben Simmons. Coach Ben Simmons. I uh, talked to him for a story I did on Terry just a couple weeks ago. And I had asked him during the interview, like, what's the most impressive thing you've seen Tamarian do athletically in, in the time you've had him? Because he's a you know, basketball player too, and he's someone uh, that did a lot, of, a lot of things, played a lot of positions. His play was, it was in the playoffs, and uh, Pokey, uh, Ontario Wilson, fumbled the ball. It wasn't really fumbled. You can go check it out on Huddle. Actually, go check it out on Mills247.com. I, I got the, the, the gift there. Uh, but basically, uh, Wilson fumbled the ball, or at least they thought it was a fumble. Uh, the defense picked it up, walked it back because it was so murky whether it was a fumble or not, and then the defender started jogging. Goes 80 yards. Tamarian Terry caught up to him. was probably about 15 yards behind him. Caught up to him, stripped the ball. It was almost the same kind of sequence, though, where it was just a hustle play where he was about 10, 15 yards behind it when it started and finished at the same same point. And, you know, Terry stripped the ball and recovered it. That dude hustles. Uh, we've heard his name consistently from different people this spring as someone who's producing. And I think the big thing for him was confidence. Yep. Uh, and I think you're starting to see him kind of realize what, what he can be. Uh, if he's someone that doesn't, you know, have 800 receiving yards or so this year at least, I, I'm going to kind of – 
you know, something went wrong, I think. I think he's a guy that, you know, if you have a quarterback that can push it down the field, he's going to kind of take the league by storm. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are going to be like, who the hell is this Yeah, guy? yeah. For you, uh, for you fantasy uh, fantasy players, he may be someone to, to keep an eye on. The rushing attack on the day, LeBorn led the way. 91-yard mm-hmm. run was awesome. Hit the huge hole in the middle and just took that thing to the house. Mm-hmm. That but big, truthfully, they just didn't run the ball a whole lot on mm-hmm. the day. Like, it didn't seem like a point of emphasis for them. Cam Akers seemed a little slow to me. I think he's a little dinged up, and we just don't know exactly what it is. He, he didn't had, practice he missed, a whole lot yeah. the last week of camp. Um, he had 12 carries, but he had several that he got knocked back for a loss, mm-hmm. which for Cam is extremely rare. He doesn't go down easily. And he battled, but he just didn't look like his normal, normal stellar self. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to dismiss his day entirely. Patrick looked fine. Rizul had a couple moments. He had a couple nice runs when they went to him a couple times back-to-back where he kind of flashed. Yep. Um, and then Deontay got one one stab back there at his old natural position where he can do a little something. So they're going to be fine there. We'll see if Zaquandre White's on the team in the fall. I think that's up to Zaquandre. He has to get He was there fun. on Saturday, just yeah. not obviously playing. And but he Taggart has team. said he's still part of the team definitively, but he has to hold up his end of the bargain. Yeah, um, he has a lot of work to do. He in, was in made an example of the Friday, oh, about eight days before the spring, and the Friday – of the coaching clinic, mm-hmm. he you know got caught out in front of his team for not holding up his end of the bargain. So it's clear as day that he's an example guy right now. Um, LeBourne, I think, is the biggest takeaway of that yeah. of that game. Uh, and Willie had said afterwards that his coaches told him that they thought based on how he'd been practicing. And I heard he had had a really- he should have played last year. He was immature, but man, he can do so many things and he catches it so well, and he can use them in so many different ways. It's insane that a playmaker of that sort was not used in any form or fashion a year ago. Chris, that's someone that you had talked about. I think we had written like guys who were going to benefit the most possibly from the new offense and the new regime. He was one that, that stood out immediately because of all the skills that you said he can do. And when the offense isn't vanilla like it was Saturday, he's a guy that can do even more with mm-hmm. what they want to do. Yep. You can use him in a you lot of ways. You split him out wide. Amir Rasul is another guy I've heard is someone that you could put in the slot and let him kind of go and, and do work. I mean, there's a lot of different variations and and packages he, they can put in with the he, offense. I, I think we could, you could see the the glimpses of that kind of developing on, on Saturday. LeBourne had two stellar quotes after the game once he got off the field. One was that basically the last staff only liked certain people and not everybody. Like, they didn't use everybody. I'm paraphrasing that to a degree. You can read it in the story on the site. The second was basically, I know I'm good. I got a scholarship to play at Florida State. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm good. Like, dude, it's dude committed to come out of a Lamborghini. Like, he, don't, yeah, don't ever count he, against him. He won MVP at Under Armour. Yeah. You don't do that by accident. I mean, you're talented if you're able to pull that off with mm-hmm. so many talented players on the field. It's going to be fun to watch him, Akers, Patrick, Rizul in that backfield. They, that's a nice foursome. Mm-hmm. That can do a lot of different things. Yeah, I, I think uh, yeah, that was one of the takeaways I had after watching you know the whole spring and then the spring game was they have no shortage of, yeah. of options there. Uh, they can run the ball a hell of a lot as a team. Let's see. With all that, there's a caveat. <laughs> <laughs> the O-line has to figure out who their five best is. And it's impossible to tell when none of them are freaking playing. Like yeah, so many uh, were not healthy. Exiting the spring, I, I'm confident Josh Ball is at least their right tackle. Yeah, Derek Kelly's definitely a starter. It will depend on where he's needed. I could think be he's obviously a better tackle. guard, but he right. could play tackle. Yeah. I think Everly's your odds on favorite for center, but he didn't practice this spring as he's recovering from, I think, a little cleanup surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, Landon Dickerson was very good in the spring. I think Landon had arguably the best spring of any O-lineman from start to finish. 
and then God only knows what else is for them. Like I, right now, I feel like they have one known tackle who they don't trust as a left tackle, but they're comfortable as a right tackle. That's Josh Ball. Um, that I I agree with that. Everything else is kind of again, it's so tough to tell because of the injuries. And let's go through the the guys who were Alec Eberle projected yep. to be the starting center. I know some of you cringe when you hear that man. He's not bad. He's just he's he's fine. He's if a you're fine, putting odds on a guy, he's yep. your odds on favorite. Yep. Uh, Corey Martinez and Brady Scott can't consistently snap it. You can't yep. have a guy. Brady who can't Scott struggled, and he struggled from the first day we were there. And I heard it was just a mess yep. for him. And I feel bad. Like it's just it's a, it's like the yips almost to an extent. Um, but you have Everly, you have Bavion Johnson, who can either be a center or a guard, I think, at this point. Someone who's super talented, but just, man, knee injuries. Yep. Um, so he's been out. Cole Minshew, again, someone that you know he can be a really good run run blocker. He was around for some of the spring and then got a foot-slash-ankle injury. And that's that too bad because he's lost car. weight. And, yeah. and, and, yeah, so and he, but he's had ankle injuries, too. And that's what and concussion issues. I think we would agree Minshew's guy we think has a good chance of being a guard along with Dickerson and Everly in the middle, and then you move Derek Kelly to the attack. I think spot. that seems to be I the, think most, that's the likely. most likely follow. Yeah. Jawan Williams was the other guy who was hurt, and he had his arm in the stabilizer. And that, I don't know if it was the same shoulder that, that cost him last season. It was his left one, I think it was. I don't know. Don't. Don't quote me on that. He but regardless, that's someone who's really raw and he's struggling to get reps right now. I think he was the guy that they were looking at at left tackle because he has that athletic profile to do that. I think Derek Kelly's probably your safest bet. And I don't think it's a coincidence that he was at left guard for most of the spring where we watched him because it's a little easier to kick out just that one position, uh, which is, I think, what they did last year, right? Yeah, they've done that in the past. Um, what's or no, they moved him. He was at left tackle and he moved into left guard when there was an injury to. Uh, to Dickerson. The, he- right. the heavy guard they had a couple years ago, they always used at left, but he would cross-study as a left tackle if Roger Johnson wants to go down. Mavetti? No, not Mavetti. Um, the Juco kid from Fort Scott. Oh, Kareem. All right. Yeah, Kareem. All right. Yeah. He would always cross-study to be a left tackle. Yeah. So that, that's pretty common. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's easier just to kick out one position than, say, go from right guard to left tackle or something like that. I, I do think watching the spring game um, – because that's one position that like we can't really tell when they're doing one-on-one drills for the offensive line when we get to see that. It's hard to tell and for that to translate over. So the spring game I thought was kind of informative uh, to, to kind of evaluate where that position is. Right now the only one I felt is ready to – you could put in, you plug in as a starter right now is Derek Kelly. I thought he looked good. I think uh, Dickerson is He too. struggled a little bit on set. He got pushed back but more But you know than what that. you're getting with him. I think he's someone that's just maybe not still 100% as he recovers from yes season-ending knee injury. But because he started with the second team, too. Or no, he, did he have a knee injury or ankle last year? I believe it was knee. He's had two, he's had two season-ending leg injuries, and he's still, I think, building on that. And I think you do know what you're going to get with him. Uh, I just I, I wasn't super impressed, but it's also so tough. I wasn't super impressed with Josh Ball on, on Saturday. How many sacks? O- O-line's sex? also a position where... It's tough to be good as an individual if the group's not good. Yeah, and, and the five fact fingers that, in a glove. that you're going with, you know, a walk on there. You're going with guy. I mean, Corey Martinez had been center the entire spring. We saw him at left tackle. <laughs> yeah, that it, was it, a moment. It's tough to, to judge and take away. I do think there is the possibility to get that right formula, that right five that makes that that group capable. But man, that you've been they're going to be the shortcoming on offense. You've been, and that's just such a tough position to be. Middling that. It, yeah. it Plus, it's a tough position to stay healthy at. And even when they do have their good five, I'm not convinced they have very good depth. You lost, need eight guys on that they, in that position with some flexibility with your reserve three to play different positions. I don't know if they've got eight guys. So crazy the amount of 
scholarships they put into that position and just still I mean that's why you do that because it's I mean, so if, healthy hard to stay healthy but if Abdul Bello has to play a significant snap at tackle somebody's gonna die <laughs> and Greg Fry with a heart attack <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't just kill off the <laughs> he has a lot of work to do it inherited a, a position that, that man it's gonna be tough uh if they can be adequate this year if they can be decent that's a hell of a coaching job. I do think the offense is going to kind of lend itself to that with getting rid of the ball quickly, quickly being able yeah. to play in space. I think that's something you that can, we'll you see. You can hide them a bit. Yeah, but, man, they struggled to get rid of it quickly on, on Saturday too. But, again, more vanilla. Um, so, anyways, offense, I think, like you said, it's going to be kind of that, that big play, you know, uh, haymaker type of offense. They that's have to get better at establishing drives. That's one yeah. thing. On Saturday, there was a lot of – Big plays. I think they maybe had – how many total drives did they have? Like, felt like 30. Oh, got it. But they only had, you know, three that went into double-digit plays. And I don't need to run double-digit plays, but they had way too many that were three or four plays. Oh, well, he said he wants to I – mean, that's kind of part of what – so people get familiar with what it's going to look like in the fall. This is an extreme version of it that we saw on Saturday. It's going to be a lot of short drives yeah. because that, that one, the tempo that they want to run and two, because they are going to try to take their shots downfield and they're going to be aggressive with it. He wants to score fast. And if he doesn't score fast, he wants to get the ball back fast. You know what I mean? You're not going to see yeah, a, a short game. You can't have plays where you lose yards. Correct. You can't have penalties. When you get a Those first down, you got to capitalize. You can't have bad snaps yep. because that throws an offense that's completely based on rhythm. Yep. Out of rhythm. Yeah, rhythm's going to be huge to, to this. I think that was clear too. You can see sometimes it was cool and they get a first down and they just went so fast and, and it's really tough to, to tweet and to do the message board stuff. <laughs> oh, wow, I was, my head was spinning. I felt hungover the next day. I feel like it was in the first half. There was a drive where they started kind of banging it with Russell. They were working towards the student end zone. That drive had like a – that looked good. Like mm-hmm. They had their moment where they kind of got going on that drive. I don't remember what was it Was that the one they ended up popping the, the double pass for a touchdown? Uh, yeah, I believe it was. I think that's how that drive was capped. Um, that was a drive, if I'm not mistaken, I'm not getting confused. That was the one that Derek Kelly looked really good because they had him pull a couple of times and just ran like a power play out of the shotgun three or four times in a row and kept getting four or five yards, wedging it up. It's like, okay, that could be something I think. Uh, Willie kind of hinted at this after the game. He's like, oh, I was calling the plays. You know, we probably would have would have you know run it a little bit more because that dude loves to run the football. Like yeah. as much as this is spread and, and looks fancy, that dude likes to run the ball 60% but of the time. I think time. they know they can run the ball. And that, that's what even, my point was Even with be. the offensive yeah. line being kind of a hodgepodge, a mess that it is, I think they know that. I think right now the bigger thing is figuring out what they're doing in the passing game, mm-hmm. both from a formation standpoint and execution standpoint. So that's what, if you're trying to take away, like, oh, what's this offense going to look like? I mean, the, the, they're going to be able to run the football, I think, fairly consistently with the guys that you you mentioned. I just think it wasn't something that they wanted to do. Their with best Saturday. 11 on offense is pretty good. Yeah, and they got – I mean, they're going to be – I mean, if we'll have one caveat, offensive line staying healthy, but two, they have 11, and I think the off the, the amount of running backs and the different packages they can put in with the tight ends, with, you know, we saw what Trey McKitty could be with the wide receiver depth that the freshmen they're going to be bringing in. Um, they may have 20, you know, really good offensive players that you actually get to see utilized, you know, week to week basis. But at the same time, they're razor thin at some crucial positions like the offensive line mm-hmm. where one injury is going to put them in a pickle pretty quick. All right, that's a good cap on the offense. Yeah, that was. We're thirty-five minutes into, and we still have. This is a we'll, we'll a do the off the defense. I mean, yeah, defense line whooped ass. Uh, they're good. They're going to be good. Brian. So r- real quick, Brian Burns. Uh, I think he only had a sack, but yeah, his stats weren't like eye popping, <laughs> but his presence. Was. Af- after the game, he uh, he said he's like, man, like spring game. You know, some of those sacks should be sacks. They're not counting. Yeah. 
consistent theme this spring is that dude, I think the light has turned on for him. He's uh, far more comfortable in his skin too, that's what I mean. beyond yep. just playing the game. Mm-hmm. Him talking to media, him being a leader, him being vocal, it's very different. Yep. He's kind of taking that next step in a lot of that stuff. And he's always been a nice kid, easy to deal with, and really intense in the football game. But it's just he's become more of a leader of men mm-hmm. out there on the defense. And same with DeMarcus Christmas, a good nut guy who's very, very quiet. But DeMarcus Christmas is, is really certainly very, very comfortable in his skin these days. And those two guys are clearly, when you watch that game, uh, when you watch the, excuse me, the defensive line versus the offensive line on Saturday, there's two dudes that are going to be playing on Sunday definitively, and then there's a bunch of other guys that you're not sure. And that's even for other defensive linemen, too. You're not sure where they are yet. Those two guys are ready to play in the NFL. Yeah. That was my takeaway. Okay, that, the and FSU has two clear-cut you know, draft picks on that line. Janarius was a great surprise. I know you hate Janarius Robinson. <laughs> that's, that's I'm a, kidding. I'm that's kidding. a joke. But Janarius had a good day. He, he looked like a guy capable of providing more depth there with Dude, Wally. He had an awesome We day. obviously expect Kando to come back and be a presence, too. When we watched um, – when I was watching the game live, he had that first drive. He jumped off sides, but he also had a couple of really nice plays. And then it's so tough to follow – away from the ball uh, live when we're doing the updates. He finished with six tackles, yeah. a sack and two tackles. It wasn't even the stats, man. He was hustling all over the place, uh, and he was really good. Like, there's a couple times where they try to – yeah, he was the read guy on the read option, and he played it perfectly to where he didn't bite too much, and he did exactly what he was asked to do and kind of filtered it into the teeth of the defense. I do – I am it's of impressive. the opinion that J-Rob is a guy that as he gets more live action reps mm-hmm. – he will become much more comfortable in his own skin. And physically, athletically, he's pretty special. That's why he was recruited at such a high yeah. level. But, but at, at the baseline, if you can be the size that he is, the athleticism he is, and then hustle like he did on Saturday, that's about 70 to 80% of it. Now, you're trying he, to say he's a great motor guy? No. I mean, I think he's. I think he'd be more than a motor guy, but but he has that at the least. If that's, yes. if that's the baseline, that's a rotational guy. If he develops some pass rush moves uh, and consistently doesn't, that's someone who can do a lot of damage. And on the interior, I love you, with, I love you, J. Rob. Please don't hurt me. On the interior at Christmas, you got Fred Jones, who's Odell Hagen's son. You've got <laughs> he, man, he plays just like Odell. I love it. Kid gets so low. Arthur Williams had a few moments where he flashed. That's my boy. Jalen Parks that, had moments where he was stellar and had moments where he was non-existent. That's sort of him right him. now. Yeah. Corey Durden's a bit more of a consistent guy. The ceiling's not as high as a guy like Parks. But they're both going to give you some good reps. Yeah, I thought Durden and Williams were probably, again, rewatching the game, stood out the most. Yeah. Uh, Arthur Williams is going to be my Jalen Wilkerson this year. He's going to be the guy that I think takes it that, that hasn't done a whole lot that's going to step in. You're into. the official president of the fan club. I mean, wait till I write a 10,000 word feature on him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, he looked good. He was dominant. Again, so tough to tell with the odd offensive line and who they were going against. Again, I just try to put this in, I want to put this in context for our listeners, but. The defensive line is going to be good. And, yeah. and one, you expect the defensive line to be ahead of the offensive line at this stage. And that's, you know, by and large for the defense in general, especially when you're implementing a new scheme. It's easier for a defense to kind of adjust to it quickly than an offense. All that being said, man, that defensive line whooped ass yeah, on Saturday. Tackle to depth is excellent. And I think the addition of Xavier Peters will help with the depth Xavier there. Peters. Think, yes. I'm uh, sorry. Wally Amy did. Basketball did, season's did, doing me. Wally Amy, uh, Ame, did a nice job too. The, Going into the spring, I thought that defensive end was the depth was. They uh, definitely have four. I feel good about. And I feel like they're going to add a fifth. Yeah, I, I think it'll be much better. Uh, Trey Lawson's not a guy I'm relying on right now. Not this year. He's someone that's reshaping his body, yeah, and he's yeah. probably a year away. Um, he didn't look completely overmatched on. No, on Saturday. I was like, okay, there's something there that to work with. Like that's. But that's he, what he's a pick a rep guy. He's not a. You don't want him out there for a series on series. No, no. I mean, maybe he can get in like a situational pass rusher where his arms, you know, on third down, and you just kind of. Oh, Brad Lyons not here anymore. Never mind. That's they're. 
actually going to try to get to the quarterback. Who's your three starting linebackers? Clearly, definitively, Dontavious Jackson is 100% a starter. Yeah. I'm convinced of that. I, unless something crazy happens this offseason where he just he regains weight or something like that or someone, yeah, he's a guy. DeKalen Brooks, um, he looks like someone who's going to play football at the D1 level and be a starter. He, he can be. Now, you know, I, I think it was interesting they put Jaden Woodby at star a couple times on, on Saturday, and I said, oh, oh that could be a game that kid. I said, that could be an interesting wrinkle uh, if you want to kind of go with a uh, big nickel type, yeah. of, type of deal. But that, the, That's the abundance of good safeties you have kind of showing by allowing a guy like that to get out. Because Woodby would be would be a starter on a vast majority of college football teams today. <laughs> he was unbelievable, but you got him, Hamza, Cyrus, I'm probably AJ Westbrook. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well really it's more Kick. so the first three. No, AJ's an excellent reserve, but I don't think he's, yeah, he's of the same level he's a good as the first three guys. Player. Yeah. But really you, you got Hamza you can put Hampson and Cyrus back there. Or would be in Cyrus, and you can play the other guy at that position. I thought the two safeties body. were kind of underwhelming, both Hamsa and yeah. Uh, Hamsa had some great moments, and he had the Sheffield play that was a glaring moment. I think he had one other one where he kind of got caught, but I'm not worried about uh, Hamsa. No, I don't think so either. But we'd heard such Plus, good things about him and Fagan. That's remember I think there's one a of fifteen guys in the spring game of trying not to kill your teammate compared yeah. to a game where you're against an opponent and you're completely willing to unleash yeah. a fury. It was more Fagan that that kind of. Just wasn't overwhelmed by, but I heard such good things about yeah, him in the spring. Yeah, very good spring from yeah. every account. Yeah. So again, one one out of fifteen here. Let's. Not, yeah. I guess I won't make too big a deal out of it. But back to the linebackers, I, I think the Kalen mm-hmm. uh, is probably the safe bet there at star, uh, which is kind of we used to call it star in the last scheme. Um, He's they, called it star. That's what I'm saying. It's star again. It's just a different, completely yeah. different type. Because before it was more of a cornerback safety type. Now it's more of a linebacker safety. Just a bigger guy that they want. Um, but he looked good. Who's number three for you? I don't know. I think Leonard uh, Warner. Yeah, that. But he hasn't taken. You know, I think by the end of the season he'll be that guy. I, I yeah. think he is a guy that his his physical ability is very good, but his mental understanding of the game kind of shines through. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, he's a he. He looks the part, uh, and they want that bigger thumper at those two positions at middle linebacker and the the strong side linebacker. Uh, Adonis Thomas and Josh Brown didn't over you know didn't overly impress me on Saturday. I don't but I think they played they're poorly. Good depth. They are, and I think Amari's going to be in that mix too. He, he had like three tackles he, on Saturday. He did, I don't remember. I, I don't remember seeing him. A ton. But in general, he looked comfortable in the spring with that role. Uh, Linebacker's a position going in the spring that we were like, what the hell? Who mm-hmm. knows? I feel like coming out, you feel confident that you're going to have three very capable starters, two who you feel very good about, and you got enough other pieces that you're going to be able to, you know. Do what you need to do at that position. I think, given all the, um, given that there was that was a that was a big question that we had entering the spring. It's okay. Who were the three? The and, staff had that question. Yeah, I don't. I think if you asked Raymond Woody going out there practice one, he would have no idea who the three were. I think you feel good about what you have because you kind of have some clarity to that to an extent, and it wasn't just by default. It yeah. wasn't. It wasn't that Dontavious took a huge leap. Forward. Yeah, he went and won that. Yeah. I think. Um, so so yeah, positive uh, defensive backs. Tough to tell because there's only three of them. Well, Stanford's a no-doubter. I, you already made me say he's going to be a first-round yeah, draft pick. He's going to be a first-round draft pick. Uh, Le- Le- Levante Taylor is, is going to be what Levante Taylor is. I mean, he's going to be really, really feisty and play the ball well, and he's not going to give up a ton of ton of plays. Um, 
I think occasionally he's going to get beat by bigger receivers. Team's going to challenge him because of his size, but he's going to step up to challenge he's him. More often than not. not, yep, exactly. And I thought Kyle Myers, man, that if they can get something out of him this year because he looked so good as a freshman, he looked very nice as a freshman, uh, as a sub-package player. And then sophomore took a big step back. And seemingly got worse as the year went on. Yeah, he regressed. As there was a loss in confidence. confidence. That was, that, I think, that Miami game, if I'm not mistaken. So he had the really big game against... I think it was Wake Forest. Barrios ate him alive in that game. Yeah. That's tough to watch on film, I'm sure. Yep. So, uh, and yeah, it kind of became a non-factor for them after after someone that you thought was going to kind of take the next step. But he looked really good on Saturday. He blanketed Keith Gavin. Now, I don't know if that was more of a Keith Gavin deal or Kyle Myers, but I heard Kyle had a nice spring. Uh, safeties we talked about. Uh, Jaden Woodby's going to be special. Yeah. He's a dude, as uh, Willie liked to say. Yep. And Woodby just... It, it's there. I think like I said this. Some on. guys have a natural presence when they walk through the door, and Jaden's certainly that guy. He is. He does not act like a freshman in any sort of way. No, he checks the boxes of in terms of you know, having the personality. Uh, someone who's really confident in himself and physically, like he he was fine. He to, likes playing football yep, too. Yep, he was he was fine mixing it up. He did not look like a true freshman out there. I don't know if he starts. At the beginning of the season, but he's going to play. I know Harlan loves Nas. That's been well established yeah. from people I've talked to. But I feel like Jaden's is Jaden one of your eleven best defensive football players. And, and well, then that gets the I point. Do you put him at start because I I don't think this is maybe maybe me being a little bit. I think ignorant. it depends on who you're playing and what they do. Yeah, if you're playing a pass heavy team who's going to try to cram it up the middle on you at times, yeah, that could. I was going to say, do you want Jaden and Hamsa at your as your two back end safeties, or do you want one with a little bit more speed like a Fagan? Uh, uh, back I there? think the preference is that. Nas on one side and Fagan type on yeah. the other, and Jaden falls into the Nas line mm-hmm. along with him. So, yeah, and then they ran three linebackers for most of the spring. I don't know if that changes at all you know, when, when they. I think they're going to stick with that yeah. look. But then that's when you can maybe put in a would be in the yeah. slot and be like, okay, you're kind of that hybrid type of type of player. But yeah, so I mean, generally speaking, I mean, I thought the spring was fairly informative. I think there's a lot of takeaways. Uh, that you can say definitively, okay, this is something that, that there are strengths that are being developed. There's an identity, uh, but there's also uh, some questions. I want to get to the questions in a little bit, uh, but first let's talk about recruiting because it was a, a, a huge weekend for Florida State. So we're going to get Josh on the line here and uh, and go over what was really, really just a nice addition to the, to the whole spring game environment. All right, and now let's turn our attention uh, to recruiting. We have Josh Newberg joining us over the Skype. Josh, welcome. Uh, hopefully uh, everything's going well for you after your trip to Mexico. Uh, yeah, well is a re- relative term, but things are things are okay. Thanks, Brendan. <laughs> Josh doesn't want to talk about it. We're off to a great start here. All right, let's talk a little recruiting. Obviously, this was a... A, a huge weekend for Florida State. I thought we thought it would be a big one, but I think maybe even uh, surpassed expectations. Uh, let's go down the list, and, and Josh, I'll let you kind of take the lead on this. FSU got four commitments over the weekend, starting with Dante Lucas, a four-star offensive lineman. Let's kind of get into him and what his recruitment was like and, and just how big of a, of a commitment that was for, for Florida State. Yeah, no, I want to back it up a little bit, actually, and um, <laughs> just talk about the day itself. That's why it's we need a lot a, different. This is why it's we a need a producer. Different. Yeah, Keep us all in order. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm you know... I, I run my own podcast. It's called the Big Three Roll Up, so I know how to I know how to do this. Plug. Um, but the day was a lot different than we're used to with Jimbo Fisher and just um, the way things went down. You know, Jimbo had some big spring game recruiting weekends as well, but 
I think the main reason this one was so different was because the game was actually at 6 p.m., which allowed kids to roll in. Chris, what time did kids start rolling in, you think, like around noon? Yeah, noon to 2. I mean, he was already doing meetings. Dante Lucas's commitment went down, I think, about the 3 o'clock hour, if I remember correctly. Right. So, yeah. So, one thing that we saw this turn into was a quasi-junior day. Uh, we've never seen on spring game day buses taking kids on tours of the campus, right? I mean, we, that's never been a part of spring game. And internally, they kind of were considering a, a junior day to an extent, too, I think. Like, that kind of was the, the approach. Right. And all the kids met with Coach Taggart prior to the start of the game. That, that was different. Normally, Jimbo would meet individually with each kid after the game, and you'd have guys on campus um, hours after the game ended. Whereas this, this weekend, we saw all the kids get there about five, six hours before the game started. Some of them got there that early. And um, it made it for a better recruiting experience, I believe. They got to tour the, the facilities, sit in the locker room. Um, one thing that I heard from te- some Team Tampa guys was how cool it was to uh, sit through the pregame meetings. They had a lot of kids coming in, and they were allowing them to sit in the position meetings and the team meetings. So um, just a different experience. I can say one's better than the other, but like Brendan said, the, the results were there. And Dante Lucas um, – a kid that we put on commit watch really after his visit in February to FSU for junior day, him and his mother came back up again for a second visit. And as much as Dante wanted to say that he was going to hold out until the end of summer, I don't think he was able to, um, not that the pressure was too big. I just think that he was so dialed into Florida state at this time that it was just silly for him to continue to be recruited by other programs. And, um, he ended it. Like Chris said, it went down about 3 p.m. I had a source within the building telling me that Taggart was really happy about the commitment, jumping up and down. Um, So that kind of started the day, and then the dominoes fell from there. And one thing to add on Lucas is not only is he a great player, I think he's a dominant left guard going forward. He reminds me kind of Josue Matias, honestly. But uh, he's also a dude that's really vocal. If you follow him on Twitter, you've noticed that sense of commitment. He's been just kind of getting after it, talking to other guys in the year of guys like Chris Bogle, for example, about hopping on board. He's sort of, I don't like using the term bell cow on guys, but he's definitely the guy currently committed in that Chris, class. You're, just calling, you're calling him the bell cow. Josh, lo- just Josh saying, loves using the bell cow. Vocally, he is that guy so far in this class, without a All doubt. Right, so Chris Nee says Dante is the bell cow. Yeah. Got it. Dante bell cow. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we can label him the bell cow. It works for me. <laughs> But, uh, Until someone more vocal comes along and then you just shove them to the side. Yeah. Right. Who, who was second up? It was Jaleel, Jaleel right? McCray. Jaleel came before yeah. Keyshawn. Yeah. Yeah. Jaleel minutes before. I didn't even know the Keyshawn Green commitment went down. Chris had already handled it. I was still, I think, you know, doing social media for the other ones. So. Yeah. Do you guys know there's was, only one person that has a crystal ball in for him? Shut, shut him up. <laughs> I was yelling Facebook at Josh and he's like, I did. I'm like, no, the third commitment, bud. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it was a little, it was a little hairy there for, for a few minutes. Jaleel was a kid that literally showed up. I feel like he brought his entire family and their entire family. If you look at the pictures of him in the office with Willie, he got the offer. He committed. He didn't think twice. He's another guy. He came up in February, February seventeenth with uh, Dante Lucas. They're real close. Our IMG teammates. Jaleel is a kid that's kind of transitioned from safety to linebacker here in his high school career. 
and it's going to be interesting to see how he develops. He's had a couple injuries, but I think the staff felt good enough about what he is on film to go ahead and green light it. Yeah, and he was he was going to commit. I spoke with the person that uh, brought him up back in February, and if he got the offer back in February, he's ready to pop. So um, it was just a matter of time until that offer came. Yeah, and he, he's you know if they need linebackers, it makes sense for them not to hesitate on a guy who they think is good enough at that position right now. You know, you can always upgrade down the road. And I'm not saying they're going to necessarily upgrade over him, but you don't hesitate at positions of major needs for a player that you think is good enough. And I think that's what happened with McCray, and that's why the offer was extended as well. Yeah. Third commitment Absolutely. literally coinciding with that one was local 2020 linebacker Keyshawn Green, Crawfordville Wakulla kid. Keyshawn's a real high sailing kid. He's a little bit, from what I understand, immature at this point. His game's also immature. He's got to learn to do some things, but just physically, he's an impressive kid, excellent athlete, big body. You take that type when it's in your backyard and he's that good. And he's a kid that this spring is going to be really good, too. He only had Georgia Tech and Louisville before this past week rolled around. FSU offered on Thursday. He commits on Saturday. I think when the spring rolls around and schools go to see him, there's going to be a lot of offers simply off his physical presence and ability. And then that's, you know, that's when it gets interesting. If you're not, you know, in there early like FSU was and go ahead and take a kid that wants to be a null, you can get yourself in a pickle where all of a sudden you have a whole lot of competition you didn't think you were going to have. And the last uh, the last linebacker that they got from uh, the Wakola the area ended up working out all right, yeah, right? Yeah. And that, that's a school they've always had a good relationship with, and they're going to try to take their D1 quality kids. I mean – the last one that got out was obviously Felipe went to UF, but they even flirted with him in a class where they didn't really want to take him. You know, they weren't. There wasn't an overabundance of desire to have him as part of class. There was kind of lukewarm interest down the stretch at that position for him. He would have been a good project linebacker for Florida State because he can't throw the football. I'm not throwing any shade. <laughs> this is going to be a shade-free podcast. Uh, we'll portion. see. We'll see. All right, final final commitment of the day happened uh, after the spring game. Yeah, you know, we're, I was, I, we were in the press we were in the press conference room, and I'm you know, I had my recorder up listening to Willie, and then I started seeing all these DMs in the Knowles twenty four seven account, and it's Chris Knee working his magic in the back of the room. Yeah, talking to Maurice Goals, Goolsby as I'm listening to Willie Taggart talk about the game. But did you talk to Maurice when he left, Josh? Did you guys catch no, him as he came out? Him leave. You know, he didn't leave out the Moore Center, so we didn't see him, but um. He, you know, he, I, I do know he was a late arrival because he literally was DMing with me trying to get into the building because right, of security. Yeah. So that was, I well, think, about I think 90 he minutes before. He was on campus he... early, but I think he was a late arrival to the actual uh, stadium. Yeah. But, yeah, nonetheless, uh, he made it in and uh, committed to Coach Taggart after the game. He had been leaning toward Florida State. Now, I didn't know whether or not they were going to accept his commitment um, at this time, but they did. It makes sense with Ladson coming off the board. They want a big-bodied wide receiver. I personally think he's going to stick at wide receiver. Um, we'll have to see in Taggart's offense exactly what the tight end looks like and, and the role of the tight end plays in the regular season. Um, I think Goolsby could play a flexed-out tight end position, but I, I tend to think he remains at wide receiver. Yeah, and the biggest knock on him is I guess there's a 540 running around out there for him uh, as an official number for him. And you watch this film, and he's not a blazer by any stretch, but I don't know if he's as slow as that 40 would indicate. He's kind of a long-striding, long kid who uses his length effectively. So, I, you know, I'm not uh, – the, the speed doesn't overly concern me. 
But I think it's fair to kind of wonder how it's going to impact his game at the next level, which is what well, most fans who kind of question that commitment did. Right, and I've seen him in seven-on-seven, seven and, and I said this about Otter Tate when Tate was coming out. I'm not comparing Goolsby to Tate. They're, I think they're different wide receivers, but Tate didn't always need to be open to catch the football. Yeah. And I think Goolsby's the same way. Um, speed matters, without a doubt. But Goolsby does not, at six foot five and as rangy as he is, he does not need to be wide open to catch football. Um, I've seen him go up and get it plenty of times in seven on seven, and I think that's the type of wide receiver he's going to be at Florida State. Yeah, he, he grasps the concept that he's a big kid with a wide catch radius who can do a lot of things with his body, and in a tight space, he can usually beat the guy opposing him because he's usually bigger, tall, taller, longer, lengthier than that opposing defender. All right, Josh, how much more how much more time do we have you for? Um, another five ten minutes. All right, all right. Well, let's uh, let's then go to Kayvon Thibodeau, which I think was yeah. the uh, the highlight of, of of the weekend. Number one recruit in the in the country, five star defensive end from California. And Josh, you got to talk to him. So, uh, what what's the deal? Man, I, I yeah, I got to talk to him a couple times. Um, once the the big interview was at, at the end, I spoke to him and his mother on the way out. Um, you know what, Brendan, since I got you on the phone right now, I'm going to go ahead and put a crystal ball pick in for, for Thibodeau to FSU, beat you to the punch. Okay, all right, you go ahead and do that. Okay, I'm doing so I'm it. putting it in now. Okay. Um, I, so I guess at the end what I saw was just him and his mom leaving, the entire staff walked him out of the Morris Center, Coach Tagger, Coach Snyder. Who else was with him? Coach Walt Bell was with him, and I believe Odell Hagens was with him. They all walked him out. Mom loved the visit. Um, he couldn't say enough great things about Florida State. It was almost like he didn't want to leave, and not just because of his relationship with the staff, but just the, just the campus, um, the energy in the stadium. You could just feel it, and he came out and said, I'm coming back, and I said, well, when, when are you coming back? He goes, Virginia Tech game, lock it in. That's That'll be my official visit. I'll be back here for the first game of the year. Which will be um, his first official, too, as we know right now. Right. And his mom chimed in. She said, I'll be here, too. Um, she loved it. She basically gave I'm, – I'm certain that if he wants to leave home for Florida State, that he has – she is giving him her blessing. Um one of the reasons why I think Florida State has a great shot at landing Thibodeau is something that uh, we talked about as far as competition. Um, Thibodeau's already the number one player in the nation. He doesn't have much to prove on the, uh, in the recruiting rankings. What he does have to prove is something that he talked about was the theory that West Coast kids can't play football in the South. He talked about that at length, about how he wants to prove that, you know, California kids are just as talented as the kids that come out of the South and that they can compete in the South. I think that's what has him most intrigued about FSU and Alabama is just the high level of football, the importance of football and the culture um, of the people. And I think that is going to drive him out of California. With, with that in mind, Josh, I think that's interesting that that, that point was uh, something that, that stuck with him after you talked to him because that was something that the coaching staff, when you talk about the, the importance of football, I mean, that was that was what they did. They rolled out the red carpet for him, and they made it a – I mean, almost it felt like an official visit the way they kind of – they had him. 
They talked to I, President well, yeah, Thrasher. I, I mean, they had him. It was it was just a complete. Jameis met with him. Jameis met with him, and field. I think he also went and met with like other former players too yeah. at the alumni meeting later on that that Friday evening. I mean, it was just an entire event, uh, and they and they wanted him to be almost like overstimulated with with how much there was uh, to to grasp and to absorb. It it when, seemed to work. When they truly want a kid, it is incredible how good they are at hosting him. This this Will yeah. Taggart stuff, yeah. It's, I uh, mean, we saw that with Trayshawn Harrison mm-hmm. back in the last cycle, and right. what they did with Kayvon is incredible. If you look at that picture, Kayvon tweeted late last evening about how great of a weekend it was with like a four pick uh, layout, and one of the pictures is him on the field, and I think there's three dozen people associated with FSU football surrounding him. Mm-hmm. The entire coaching staff, guys that are support staff, Jameis is in the picture. Mom looks happy as hell. I, I looked at the picture and I'm like, man, that, that's that's the way you do it. If you want to make a lasting impact on a kid and have a chance when it matters, that's how you do a visit. Right. So, Chris, how do you feel about my crystal ball pick deficit? You know me. I'm hesitant with the crystal ball. I'm always – I wait for Wilt Fong and then I just follow on his coattails. As well, I knows. honestly think right now it's it's Alabama and FSU. Um, hard for me to say who's one, two. Obviously, I think Florida State is coming off of that visit. But we know how visit highs go. Now the key is for them to keep that energy with Kayvon and FSU going um, through the summer into that first visit. Now, I would be surprised if Kayvon ended his recruitment before the summer ends. You really think so? You don't think he'd take officials first? I put my crystal ball uh, in 10 seconds after Josh. Damn I, it. I'm not saying I expect it. Damn I'm just it. saying that I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think he's one of these kids that when his mind's made up, which I don't think his mind's made up yet, but I think when his mind is made up, I think he's going to end it. I, I don't see him dragging his recruitment on. This is no knock on him, but I think he also enjoys the process without a doubt. I mean, for example, when he came out of building and we're sitting there at watching recruits come in, he's like, hey, let me put the hat on so you guys can take a picture. A kid, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, a, I also think he wanted that picture. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Himself. But, I mean, <laughs> a kid who has that wherewithal to understand that kind of situation, the climate, the environment, what he's dealing with as a recruit, they also sort of enjoy being a recruit. They do. Right, oh, does he I, do that I, with other yeah, – has, has he done that with other – like people have been talking about how active he's been on social media, talking about Florida State, and I don't follow him enough to he, be like, is that his – He's got a he personality to him mm-hmm. without a shadow of a doubt, and he'll, he'll sing up on visits. But, I mean, he kind of went above and beyond with FSU. Okay. We'll see – I believe he's supposed to go to Oregon this coming weekend for a similar visit, for a spring game type visit. Mm-hmm. I believe it's their spring game. We'll see if it kind of emulates what he did this past weekend. I don't mm-hmm. think it will, but I think yeah, he enjoyed so it. I kind of took it as the way he told me his visit schedule was going was he was going to Oregon this weekend, and then he, I believe he said he was done taking visits for the summer because he was going back to work is yeah. what he said. So we'll see if that holds true if he doesn't take any more visits. Um but I just meant that I think he's uh, a very genuine kid. He wears his emotions on his sleeve. And I think he's the type where if he knows where he wants to go, it's going to be hard for him to enter, seriously entertain other coaches and, and programs. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. You, you're trying to say he won't have a great poker face, basically. Yes, exactly. And, and, when, and kids like that, they usually like to make their decision and get it out of the way. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm just saying I wouldn't be shocked if he, if he ended his recruitment this summer. You know who else committed recently? Some guy named Sam Howell. He's pretty good. No, guys, he's slow. And, and he's five, five. Here's the other cool thing about Sam Howell. Well, Dante Lucas might be the bell cow that's real vocal on social media. Sam Howell brought the number one athlete in the country down with him for a visit over the weekend. Just kind of hopped in the car and got him down here. 
That's pretty impressive. We talked about this on the podcast before Sam Howell made it the day of Chris was that how big it's going to be to have a quarterback quarterback this early in the, yep. This early in the process. They attract other guys. How as a player, I know we haven't really had a pod where we went in depth on him. How as a player, I like, he can push it down the field. He's a smart kid, hard worker. Everybody I've spoken to that dealt with him, both, you know, working alongside him and opposing him speaks highly of him. I think he checks a lot of boxes. I think there's a reason Walt Bell was so high on him so early. And I think FSU kind of got their man. What's your thoughts on Sam, Josh? Yeah, I agree with all that. Um, I think that, you know, Walt Bell was the very first to offer. And the kid wasn't going to go to Maryland. And as soon as Walt Bell made the switch, I was told that him and Sam, that was one of the first recruiting phone calls that was made was between Walt Bell and Sam Howell. And um, Sam basically told him, "Coach, it's on." Like, you know, I, you know like now I'm interested. So um, that was the guy from from day one, I believe, as well. And that's the main reason. A lot of people were scratching their heads when I had him as the number one player in the in the top ten most wanted, but it was because of mutual interest. Yeah. And um, you know, all these quarterbacks that they offered, they all fit what Willie wants to do. That's why they offered him. And um, I just thought that you know Howell was going to be the guy. And he committed a little bit sooner than I expected, but, you know, that's the way I saw it playing out. Yeah, and to further the belief that FSU was all in on how they could have got Tyson. I mean, they, right. if they green-lighted that kid and pushed for a commitment, they would have got him. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. They took Sam Howell. And they still wanted Tyson. I think they still would have taken Tyson if he wanted in on the boat. But kid, I don't think, wanted to be, you know, the second quarterback in a class. He went to Clemson to be their first quarterback in this class, despite how good of a quarterback room they have at Clemson. Yeah, and for people that were you know, critiquing Howe's game because you know, some of the metrics that were out there, like that he he runs a five second forty and that he's shorter, put on the film. Like if yeah. you like, put on or just the highlights. Like and look at stats too. Dude ran, ran for a thousand yards uh, this past year. Like yeah. it, Lang- Langston Wirtz, who works for the Charlotte Observer, wrote a really good story that I posted to the board mm-hmm. the day after he committed. And in that story, it has a couple opposing coaches talking about playing Sam. And they just heap nonstop praise on him. And it's not canned responses. It's mm-hmm. like he's a gamer. He's a great player. He's incredibly tough for us to oppose. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he fits with what they. I think Josh alluded to it. They, he, he fits with what they want to do. Uh, he gets rid of the ball quickly. He sees the field quickly. Uh, has enough arm strength to push the ball downfield vertically. He can move around in the pocket. Like he's not a a fleet-footed, you know, scrambling type, but he ran for a thousand yards. Like he, he moves really well in the pocket, and he can scramble when needed. He's um, a tough runner too. Yep, and he's tough below yeah. his shoulder. Like there's a lot to like. Florida State, I think, got a a really nice one. It's not a super strong quarterback class, from my understanding, but he seems like he's probably the best fit of anyone that was out there for what they wanted to. Do. I feel like every year we tear down a quarterback class, and then late we kind of talk it back up. So I'm not going to hop on that bandwagon this year. Justin Fields. Well, he was exceptional. He was truly he, unique. At this point, he wasn't, though. It, no, it he was, wasn't. He emerged very much. At this point, a year ago. Yeah, yeah at this point, a year ago, he was on the radar. I remember watching him at the uh, March Nike camp, knowing that he was a guy. I remember that. But he so, wasn't, He wasn't like, it was no, Trevor Lawrence and it was everyone else, right? His like, hit overdrive at the opening when he just dominated the living hell out of that event. Yeah. He, I've been to three openings, and that was the most impressive performance I've ever seen an individual kid have there. Mm-hmm. So... Real quick before, because I know Josh has to go, uh, what's next for Florida State in terms of recruiting? I guess where we're entering spring eval period? Yep, spring what, eval what, period officially up? kicked off today. Coaches can hit the road. I don't think FSU will really hit the road much until next week. 
Most Florida high schools start next week. I think Georgia is a little bit after that. Um, and obviously those are going to be two areas that are going to hit real hard. But you're going to see them go see a lot of guys twice. Um, they're going to put a lot of work in. I think they have great momentum right now. They've done a good job of kind of building their board, figuring out who they have a shot at. There's a few guys they need to get on campus between now and summer that haven't been here recently. Lloyd Summerall is probably one of those types. Brendan Gant, who might be in this weekend, is another one I can think of. But in general, they're working there. They've got a really nice offensive guard. They need to find an offensive tackle. It's obviously a huge need in this class. But I feel like quarterback, they found a guy. Running back, they've got a few on the board. Receiver, they're figuring their stuff out. They would have loved Ladson, but that was just too far gone to Clemson. Tight end, they got a few on the board. They'll figure that out. I don't think that's a, that's a huge priority for them. DN, they got a lot of names on the board. Chris Bogle is a guy who I think they made a big move with this week. I've spoken to him a little bit, but not enough yet to build a full update with him. But he definitely liked it. He has a lot of guys in his ear. Linebacker, I think you're going to see a lot of guys recruited there. They're going to try to figure out what they can get. There's a couple big ones, Derek Hall, N'Kobe Dean, for example. They need to get those guys on campus. Derek Hall had hoped to make the spring game but did not. Secondary, Akeem Dent leads away. Keep him locked up. Find another guy. Andrew Booth is a guy they love. I think that's trending Clemson, but there's plenty of other guys they like. I think Aaron Beasley is a guy that's not talked about enough who they really, really like. He's an excellent safety prospect who could also play corner. Thanks, Josh. I'm sorry. I didn't. Yeah, that, I mean, hey, Jesus. Chris just. Uh, I got a good night of sleep. What can I say? He this does, he this seems, happens when I sleep more than eight hours. I'm always asking for Chris not to be an ass, and he's actually being pleasant right now. This is what happened. <laughs> well, just. I, I mean, there's not much to add there. Chris just ran the whole damn board um, in one breath. I don't even think he, he breathed during that whole speech. You should, you, um, Josh, you should, you should have seen him sip the coffee. So, uh, Josh, you should have seen him sip the coffee after that. Like, it was like, he's just so proud of himself. I'm sorry, guys. I got carried away. <laughs> All right. I saw a big ass hole and I, I hit that bitch. bitch. The only thing I'll say bitch. to that is I spoke to a source within the program on my way home yesterday. And basically the message was, and I know they got momentum, but we got to be picky. Um, Without attrition, they have 14 available scholarships this year. Of course, there's going to be attrition. Of course, there's going to be injury. So let's just say maybe 20 scholarships. Yeah, Um, They just want to make sure that the remainder of the class is guys that they really want. So you're not going to see them um, reaching or low-hanging fruit. It's going to be like the guys that Chris just rattled off. Big time names and big time positions of need. Yeah. All right, guys, this was a blast. Josh, thanks for uh, coming on. We're going to finish off yeah. the podcast now. Get out of here. Good luck with uh, the post Mexico whatnot. And yeah. All right. So pivoting right back to uh, to spring football. Let's finish it off and, and put a pretty little bow on it, Chris. Uh, final takeaways, I guess, for you from the spring. Uh, I guess what do you definitively know, and what do you have questions about? I mean, I feel confident that they're starting to figure out who some of their guys are, some of the dudes are. Defensively, dudes. they should be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, linebacker was the biggest question going in. Feel good about the group they got there, that they have enough capable bodies and they have enough talent around it that's going to help them. I don't think it's going to be an area that kind of hinders the defense like it has in recent years. Offensively, you know, quarterback's obviously a huge question mark. Guys need to take steps forward. All three of them have areas for growth. Running, running game is going to be awesome as far so. as the capability of doing it. O-line's obviously the biggest question. Please turn on your cellular device. We're not yet in the air. I'm allowed to use large electronic devices on this flight. 
Um, trying to make this a reputable but, professional but in podcast. General, not I, really. I think they're kind of where they're supposed to be at this point. There's a lot of work to be done. The offense had its hiccups, but is also capable of being good. Some of the guys that needed to kind of come out of their shell and be better football players certainly have done that. There's reinforcements coming. Peters, Asante Samuel, uh, A.J. Litton, some of the receivers that are coming in, like a Jordan Young. Mm-hmm. I think those guys are going to contribute. They're going to do things that help this team year one. So I think people should feel pretty good from a recruiting perspective. Uh, I think their momentum's awesome, to mm-hmm. put it nicely. They can be selective. They put themselves in an excellent position. I uh, Last night, I had the pleasure of going back and inputting every visit that came in during spring practice. You do a bolt on like, that? No, no, no. Well, I had the bolt, the running bolt of okay. who was coming in, but I actually put those on the kids' profiles. Took me like an hour and a half. It's absurd how many kids they got through here as should, far as foot should, traffic. You should do a content gallery on it and make people click no, on it. No, I'm not that guy. <laughs> I'm done. I'm okay. Good. That's my bow. <laughs> That's a pretty bow. Um, yeah, I, I think I think this was a healthy spring. Uh, we start off talking about this being a spring of healing sort of uh, for the fan base. I think it was for the team. I think they're in a really good place right now heading into the offseason. We had talked, Chris, you and myself, we had talked about this on the phone on Sunday, was what can they do now? Can they continue that momentum? Are these good habits that are going to last? My gut instinct is yes. I think right now everything is so, everyone is so into this, they have bought in, that it's going to be something that is going to be able to be replicated throughout the summer, even in the dog days of summer when when things get tedious and you don't want to keep working out. And I think this is going to be a, a team that, that has bought in and that believes in what the coach is telling it, what the strength coach is telling it, what they hear from Willie Taggart. They've seen the light at the end of the tunnel to an extant. They've seen that they can have fun. They've seen that, you know, Willie says, I'm going to get you guys in a position to be athletic and, and make plays. Let's so bring in there and go back and look at the film of that and see they have a ton of work, but see that, yeah, he, he, he's doing that. He's making good on what, what he said he was going to do. Everything that he's promised so far to these players has come to fruition I think that's really positive and really healthy moving forward. Yeah. Quarterback's going to be up in there. I mean, that's going to be something that I think is it's going to be a storyline for for the entire offseason. Um, that's going to be good for us business-wise because that means we keep talking about quarterback. I think Willie wants it that way, It too. was always going to be that. Now, in hindsight, looking at it, I mean, he basically dropped hints throughout the way, you know, throughout the entire leading up to the spring scene. You know, this could be something that, that trickles in. And to be fair, the guy with the best arm has been hurt for most of the spring. And he has to show this summer that he is – capable of being just a modicum of a, of a leader. That's DeAndre Francois. Uh, so that's a wild card. And yeah. it's a wild card at a huge position. Offensive line is something that they need to get those guys healthy uh, and see if they can find the right five. I don't know if that's something that happens in the summertime. I think that you got to wait till fall camp and then you got to hope they're healthy and that they stay healthy. Um, so there are you know potential pitfalls for the 2018 season. But, but generally speaking, I, I think that you know there's encouraging signs of, of progress. And it's just, like I said, a much healthier place than what it was three months ago. Yeah, the onus is on the team, and I think they understand that, and they're ready to take responsibility on becoming what they can become. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's uh, let's leave it at that. Uh, Chris, thanks for joining. Uh, Josh, thank you for joining earlier. Uh, guys, thanks for listening. Please make sure to uh, to give us a five star review on iTunes. I'm told that's something that helps with the popularity of the show. Uh, don't give us a one-star review. That's just mean. I don't get why people like go on Yelp and give a restaurant. Just, just downvote Snowden on the website. No, there's someone doing that right now too much. I don't know who it is. I think it's Karen. But <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you later.